From one coast to another, it's Cavern. Vern, Kevin Land Party. Vern, I love reading. Reading books is good. Books is good. Books is good. People don't read as much books as once they read books. But books is good. There is argument that people read more now than ever, but they don't read literature. They read article. They read article. They read tweet. They read post. They don't read book. Status. Uh, reblog. They read book by dick named Moby, but not book about Moby Dick. Is true. This is what people do. Me? I love book. I have one hour commute one way, one hour commute the other way. That two hour book. Books make time go much, much fast. What you read, commute. Uh, me read several things. Me read... Alright, I'm throwing this grammar thing out. I read... <laughs> no, no, grammar thing, come back. Come back. Get over Me read... Comics, four days week. Me read novels, three days week. You have schedule reading. Me have schedule, or me get lost, me read too much one thing, not enough other. Me have untenable unread pile. Me need work through. You read half smart book, half dumb book. Yes. Me, uh, crazy person. Me... (laughs) Me brain catch fire if no structure. So me brain, me make structure, me plan out reading week by week. Uh, structure good. Me have problem structure. Me start reading big book. And... Mm, Big book. Big book uh, have three section that called book. Within book. So three book in book. Three book in book, but all three book equal one book. Ah, book too big, me think. And, and and big book, and me never really read big book until picking up big book. And what happened with me and big book is I read big book profusely, chapter a day. And then I get really far into book, over halfway through book, and then get to end of first book within book. And then me feel sense of accomplishment that makes me no want to read anymore, even though story not over. Ah, yeah, me get it. Me work through many big book. Me wish maybe break big book two books. Maybe give me break in book. Book one of series I read, 1,000 page. Book two in series, 300 Ratio huh. off. <laughs> Me think take some one book, put in a second book? Make first book three books, make second book book four. Hey, cavemen, did you like that? <laughs> Geico now cavemen. That we've courted, now that we've courted our caveman audience. Hey, the cave demo is really... Because they're the only market that has not really received podcasts yet. So once they get into podcasts, that market 
that demographic is going to blow up and they're going to be consuming podcasts voraciously. So we want to we want to corner that market. We want to be get Wi-Fi in the caves. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's we want to do what T-Series is doing in India, but for podcasts within caves. We want to do what the East India Trading Company did in India uh, and just come in, take over, and turn uh, cavemen really into podcast people. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a good goal to have. Um, I think I so. Think, um, I mean, cavemen obviously are into the arts or else they wouldn't draw themselves hunting a bison on the wall. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, listen, yeah, they like to paint pretty cave pictures of themselves and their big buddies, you know, beating up an antelope, and they, they show it to a girl because, as we all know, art only exists to get you laid. Uh, well, yeah, that's that's the only reason I've That goes without anything. saying. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, the cavemen, the Cro-Magnons, or as they were referred to on the ABC Geico-sponsored sitcom Cavemen, Maggers... As the Maggers would put it, I wish I were joking. As the Maggers put it, um, I I just think they just didn't have anything better. You know, people like to knock on our modern generation. You know, all they do is like jerk off to vines or whatever. But I think that older generations would have been jerking off to vines if they had vines. You know, if, if Charles Dickens had had a Vine account, if he had had a TikTok, we wouldn't have Nicholas Nickleby. We would have his famous Vine, Nicholas Dickleby. I mean, science dictates that we have, you know, we've evolved from monkeys. And what are monkeys doing if not jerking off in Vines? That's, um, that's it. I mean, that's just, just how it goes. I mean, that's, that's just how that's how evolution... Evolution, it's a circle. You start as a monkey jerking off in vines. You become upright walking, doing your job. And then you start, you start looking at your phone and your neck starts going back in. You start getting hunched over again. And then you're jerking off to six seconds of uh, the guy saying, it's Wednesday, my dudes. I don't know, Vern. I don't know about you, Vern. I can only come six seconds at a time. <laughs> uh there's 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 a lot of time i spent single and when you're when you're a single person the whole first off we're going to get real blue in the second ep- episode of our show i think that i'm i'm 30 years old i'm 29 years old but i'm i'm essentially 30 yeah. i discovered masturbation at the age of 15 whoa so, late i want to say 15 so for um, half your life, you've known about masturbation so, at this point. So for half my life, I've, I've known about masturbation. And I want to say, in the last 15 years, I've probably jerked off because, like, I was horny and wanted to have sex maybe four times. I think the rest is always just like, oh, I need to sleep. Oh, I'm bored. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And Pizza after won't be here for another 30 minutes. Yeah, like so like after 15 years of doing that like 6 seconds is really all you need. Cuz it's just maintenance at that point. It's l- listen, at this point I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I I've spent a a horrible amount of my life 
uh, not having sex, a truly uh, breathtaking number of years not having sex. So I, I'm, I'm good. You know what I mean? After college, I spent, I did like two years without dating. And I think it really helped me improve, uh, myself and my relationship to myself as an individual being, instead of trying to put my worth on other people, instead of trying to like validate myself by who I was dating and how they felt about me about every second of the day. I also got incredible at masturbating. I'm flabbergastingly good at masturbating there's a only a hand like i'm pretty self-deprecating i put my down i put myself down a lot um but there's only with that there's a handful of things that i think like no i am really fucking good at doing this i am really good at like putting together a mixtape uh i'm really good at like helping i'm really good at like proofreading something for someone else and I'm really good at jerking myself off. And that's about it. And that's... I mean, what else do you need? I mean, honestly. Uh, I'm a simple man. I can tie a knot. I can balance my checkbook. And I can jerk myself off real good. There are not enough young white men on the internet talking about jacking off in a comedic scenario. Not and enough that's what we're doing. white dudes getting up on stage and talking about they dicks. Why spend the time to craft material when you can just... I mean, really, if you think about it, all we're really doing here is jacking off anyway. We might as well just talk <laughs> about it. Listen, I'm catching up with my friend Vern, and it's really cutting into my jerk-off time. <laughs> That's pretty much it, yeah. Vern and I decided to move to opposite coasts, and I miss my good, good friend Vern. But man, this is really... I gotta, like, pencil in a jerk-off after... I still want to jog before my girlfriend gets home from her real job that she has. And I, I, got, I got a tight sketch after this. As I said, there's not enough white caucasian hetero men on the internet whose spouses are doing all the real breadwinning talking about jerking off on the internet Vern, how dare you i am a proud bisexual man whose girlfriend does all the real work and does all the actual breadwinning my apologies i'm a bisexual man and i date women because it's comfy i understand it more i'm scared i'm scared Fern. i love looking at a man i love watching professional wrestling and just staring at those slabs of man meat i'm a little scared to date a guy i don't know what that's like and i'm perfectly fine with that life i'm very comfortable over here i understand what this one's about my wife worked <laughs> she studied her ass off worked through six seven years of pharmacy school so that she could be a pharmacist just while I drop out of film school so that she can go and make all the money while I sit in a closet with a Zoom recorder and a shoe and talk about jerking off to my friend Kevin. That's how she wanted to live her life. I get it. Yeah, I I get that, you know, my uh, beloved partner now has, you know, her dream job at one of her dream corporations, and I am uh, quitting a comic book store after two years to uh, 
you know, go go work in Chicago for like five weeks and then come back and figure my shit out. And I'm two years older than she is. This is, this is, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm starting my third podcast. I'm fine. It's, it's all good. You know, I, I work, uh, I work the same amount of hours at a place that sells paddles for boats. Uh, just so I, uh, essentially, uh, <laughs> just so, you know, I can pay the tax on everything else my wife pays for. Uh, you know, and that's, that's how, uh, that's how a good relationship and a good, uh, camaraderie is supposed to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love, I love conversations about how work was going, uh, with my significant other, where she comes home, she talks about how she's planning her paid time off vacation, how she's got all these benefits packages worked out, how she has summer hours, so she even gets off at noon on Fridays, and I love that I go, like, well, you know, I read some X-Men comics, and I, I sold some magic cards. It always feels good to me whenever uh, we, my wife and I both get home at the same time, and she asked me how work was, I'm like, oh man, I had a rough day. Someone yelled at me because the sleeping bag they got was too small. How was your day? And she's like, I gave someone the wrong medication, and they almost died. <laughs> Ah, so she holds the very, the cradle of life of these, of the denizens of Seattle, Washington in her very hands. How in her two strong mitts, she is what separates the the people of Washington State from shuffling off this mortal coil. And you help guys go on the river. Whereas I stress out if I don't get my Instagram joke up by two o'clock. Oh my god! You make a commission off selling paddles of wood. And I forgot my joke of the day! Oh my god, I was so busy sizing someone for hiking boots that I forgot to tell my joke about Mastacholi on Instagram. Oh, what a terrible day! Meanwhile, my wife is trying to make sure that someone doesn't fucking die. My girlfriend is advancing the field of book publishing at a time when, when you know, we should be reading more books than ever just to keep ourselves informed or, or to whisk ourselves away from our terrible existence. Uh, and I got bumped off a comedy venue for a fucking speed dating. <laughs> and how dare. Completely separate topic of conversation. Last episode, we talked about my show getting bumped for speed dating. That happened, like, four hours ago. How dare the venue like one of my tweets one minute ago? How dare they? Don't they know that they canceled my show? <laughs> and, man, I hate to dredge up material that we've already talked about in no, the no, no, first no, 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 no. episode. I'm sorry, folks, but my wife... Holds the power of deciding who lives and who dies in her hands. And I'm the one who goes to counseling. (laughs) I'm the one who thinks they can't handle it. I can't handle the stress of being on an improv comedy podcast that we recorded three years ago. I can't handle it. I can't do it. Someone needs to help me process the emotions of posting daily Instagram jokes. I can't handle it. I it, I love my wife. 
I sincerely do. I'm not belittling her or what she does at all. In <laughs> fact, I'm belittling the person she's married to. Precisely. Uh, the title of this show is not Kevin and Vern shit on themselves, but it basically should be. <laughs> I promise you, listeners at home, uh, we intended for this to be a funny show. <laughs> <laughs> We thought, we thought this would be some just good bits. We thought, hey, remember whenever we did, like, Jimmy Buffett's hashtag Margaritaville? It'll just be 30 minutes of Mark Twain and Jane Austen every week, but... Classic. It's like those movies that Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson made, where you're like, oh, man, these are gonna be like, oh, I love Zoolander, I love uh, uh, Starsky and Hutch, can't wait for this comedy duo to, to get back together. And then it's like permanent midnight or something where they're both like heroin addicts. You're like, what? I'm not mad, but I, love, I am confused. I love Ben Stiller. I love it when he makes that funny face, that Magnum face. That's so funny. Ooh, I can't Lucille. wait to see I can't wait to watch this new comedy movie starring him, Greenberg. (laughs) It's like every time I've talked to someone who grew up being like an avid Adam Sandler fan, got some memorized, had the DVDs, and then they accidentally rented Rain Over Me, (laughs) where his wife died at 9-11. And they're like... I was not sold this bill of goods. And they threw it back at the red box. It's, I love it whenever the water, water boy gets mad and he tackles somebody. It's really funny when Adam Sandler does physical violence. There is a movie called Punch Drunk Love. It's going to be a laugh riot. What's that? He's jerking <sighs> off to a woman named Georgia Peach. What? What's that? He's... Having a phone sex conversation, but not masturbating, and somehow that makes it way sadder. I guess, yeah, they don't, they, they. He just sits in the kitchen chair and takes it like a champ. It's like 30 minutes into that conversation before he's like, oh, all right. And then it cuts away. (laughs) It's one unbroken shot of him asking a sex worker how her day was. (laughs) And it goes on for like seven minutes. Oh, I love it. I love uh, completely fucking up expectations. I love it. Apparently, Adam Sandler uh, became, at least the Wikipedia, I think it's a Wikipedia article, uh, says, might be the IMDb page, says that he became an expert at playing Shadow of the Colossus on set of Rain Over Me. Now, I don't know how you can become an expert at Shadow of Colossus, but apparently the Sandman is. He climbs those dudes and he, you know, those those large, impossible beasts that dominate the landscape, these completely unfathomable creatures. And um, he just became really good at becoming a man who slowly corrupts himself in the quest to get what he wants. And then when he finally does sit down with the love of his life, he's turned into an impossible dark beast that no one understands. He's just, it's just this giant, uh, you know. That really resonated with Adam Sandler. Yeah, this giant Cajun man standing over a field. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a, you know, a little, a little woman's got to try to climb up him and pull the, you know, pots and pans (laughs) off of his 
giant or no canteen boy. I'm getting he's a <laughs> giant canteen boy. Canteen boy. Yeah, they're uh, trying to pull the canteens off of him. Scoutmaster, I don't. It sounds so good. Someone has to climb the colossus that is Opera Man. <laughs> singing parody songs about the news events of 1992. <laughs> There's 13 colossi, and they're all different Adam Sandler characters. And you gotta, you know, climb up him while he's saying, Armageddon! Oh, hell does! Oh, oh hell does! And, you know, uh, I... I I, I think uh you know they've re- they've remade Shadow of the Colossus twice. There's the original release, there's the PS3 release, and there's a the PS4 release. I think we're I think we're ready for a fifth a, a PS5 release of Shadow of the Colossus where they've replaced all the Colossi with, you know, just Bobby Boucher and Billy Madison. <laughs> Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. You're just, you're desperately gripping on to a Boston Bruins jersey <laughs> as he whips a hockey stick at you, tries desperately to throw you off. You the see, most perilous one has to be like bedtime stories where he's like raining gumballs from the oh sky. Yeah. You've got to, uh, you got to pull your sword to its full, like, uh, length out so you can stab the center frame of Sandy Koufax's glasses. And that makes it where he can't <laughs> see. And then you can get to his weak spot. Uh, and the, of course, uh, when you yourself have uh, consumed the 13 dark beasts and have become the monster yourself, you turn into, like, Adam Sandler from Click. Yeah, exactly. He realizes his entire, he's left his entire life behind in pursuit of this remote control. And it's, and it's, and it's uh, him wearing the the jumpsuit and the double chin and everything. You know, with the curly hair, it's it's that it's that one where he's raining outside. It's raining on him outside of the hospital or whatever. And, oh yeah, uh, and, and, and he's that, and dying the, like surrounded by his loved ones and also Sean Astin. That's that's yeah, because I think that's the. Uh, I mean, that's that's really the one time that like Adam Sandler went full fat bastard in his makeup. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he, he didn't really, like, do the prosthetics for Jack and Jill, even though there's lots of, like, oh, she's fat jokes in Jack no, and Jill. No, he just, like, put on a fat suit but has Adam Sandler's face. Yeah. Uh, he he went full, like, Mike Myers and Eddie Murphy. There was the, the early 2000s were just a really popular time for getting folks that were on SNL and making them look fat. Uh, you know, like just, just let's let's put Dana Carvey in a turtle costume, let's put Mike Myers in a fat bastard costume, let's put Adam Sandler in fat click costume. Uh, for whatever that was comedic gold. I'm surprised there's not like, because David or no Rob Schneider did the hot chick and he did the animal. I'm Rob surprised. Schneider never did it. Eddie Murphy did it. Probably most famously of all. He did it three times. And he in each of those, he wore, those. like... Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. He did, like, five of them within each movie. Do you think that Corky Romano was not... I think that was the... Yeah, I think that was the ticket. Uh, one of Robert Pattinson's five favorite movies, Corky Romano. Uh, Ken, as I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. We need to talk about this. Folks, It's there is a real-life problem with people taking advantage of others within the entertainment industry 
the Me Too movement is here, and it's and it's good that it is here. And I believe the people who make claims against Bill Cosby. I believe the claims the people that make. Uh, I believe the claims that folks speak out against, like Harvey Weinstein. I believe the people that are speaking out. Chris Kattan wrote a book. <laughs> and in this book, Chris Kattan claims the only way the Night at the Roxbury movie was going to get made is because Lorne Michaels pressured him to have sex with Amy Heckerling. The... Uh, I... Uh, so, take everything that I'm about to say with an incredible grain of salt if all of this turns out to be true. But I think Chris Kattan is giving his dick too much credit. I think, and it, it is true, it's confirmed by Amy Heckerling's child that she and Chris Kattan did date. You know, Chris Kattan did enter the Heathers verse. But the idea that Lauren Michaels prostituted Chris Kattan. I don't... Okay, so uh, Night at the Roxbury is 1996, 1998? I I think that sounds about right. Okay, SNL 1998 cast. <laughs> Let's look at who Lauren Michaels was playing with here. His options to, to pimp people out. Um, let's see. Sorry, I'm pulling up. Pulling this up. Will Ferrell. Who's in the same movie? Who's in the same um, movie? Uh, Tim okay, Meadows. Hot Tim Meadows, a good-looking gentleman. Uh, Daryl Hammond, you know, not a not a marquee idol, but I, I've seen worse. Yeah, Tim Meadows, handsome man. Absolutely. Um, okay, but here's the thing. Here we go. We're getting down deep in the list. Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon was like, yeah, he had the uh, he had the young like teen kind of hip. Like I could see it happen, absolutely. Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. And if I'm if I'm Lorne Michaels, and I'm and the you know I have millions of dollars riding on the DVD sales of a movie. If I'm Lorne Michaels, best friends with Paul Simon and Paul McCartney, <laughs> and I need to get a movie made through the power of dick magic. I'm just saying Chris Kattan is not my first round craft pick. I just wouldn't go with the cat. I, I believe people who make claims against the industry. I believe them all. I don't know <laughs> that I would prosti prostitute the guy who looks most like the shark from Shark Tale. Chris Kattan, who claims in his book that he was dating Jennifer Coolidge? Stifler's mom? Jennifer Coolidge, who could have had anyone in Hollywood in Literally anyone. Could have had anyone in Hollywood in 1998. And we're saying that she was dating Chris Kattan? M M Mongo? Mango? Mango? <laughs> Mr. The, Peepers? The Night of the Roxbury guy? Brian Botabi or whatever his name is? <laughs> Chris, I believe people 
I believe the folks that came out against Harvey Weinstein and Woody Allen and oh, Bill Cosby. Can't not believe them. It's all I, true. I believe. I believe. I think there's people that abuse the power they have in Hollywood. I think it's a very real thing. I believe the casting couch. I think it's a real thing, and I think it's a horrible, 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 awful thing to get. Night at the Roxbury made. The movie where the only joke from it that I can remember is that they've got two dogs and their names are Captain and Tennille. Uh, you forget the classic running bit wherein Dan Hedaya, no, Richard Grieco, uh, keeps asking people if they touched his ass. <laughs> And it starts normal, where he's next to Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan. But of course, throughout the film, it extrapolates until he's asking people who are across the room from him, Richard Grieco, if they touched his ass. Is that the movie where, at the end, Will Ferrell is getting married, and the minister says, repeat after me, and Will Ferrell says, after me? Almost certainly it is. <laughs> and that's the same movie, too, where at the end of the movie, uh, they build a nightclub where the outside of the nightclub looks like a nightclub and the inside looks like the street. That's correct. That is their, that is our characters' wants, and, their deep internal needs and for I, the course of the film. And I'm sorry, but the Night of the Roxbury movie and... That was a thing, and Chris Kattan, <laughs> so many years after the Night of the Roxbury movie, a movie I guarantee everyone listening to this forgot existed. He, Unless they uh, are watching VH1 archives from Unless the they're Kevin and Vern. Uh, <laughs> he calls his autobiography, Baby Don't Hurt Me, one of the lyrics from the Hathaway song in the Night of the Roxbury sketch. <laughs> Chris Kadan. I support the Me Too movement. I support. I support I everyone support, who comes forward. I, I, I'm just there. There are people with fuck energy. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There are people whose mere presence seems to have an effect on on a, a sphere around them. They just they emanate fuck energy. Like there's all the like Natalie Portman has intellectual fuck energy and she has this ability to make people think she wants to fuck them when she absolutely does not. Two separate men have destroyed their lives and public images on their belief that Natalie Portman... Dying on the hill that Natalie Portman demands that dick. And no, it's, they have been wrong every time. And I bet there are more. She... A, a, a trail of men who have destroyed... Through no fault of Natalie Portman's have destroyed themselves. Crashed their ships on the rock that Natalie Portman wanted to fuck them. I have never been as sure of anything in my life as these men are, that one of the most beautiful women in the world, actress Natalie Portman, wants to fuck them. I have never been that certain of anything in my life. The guy who wrote We Are All Made of Stars thought, yes, the girl from V for Vendetta, when she was a girl, <laughs> wanted to have sex with them. 
the guy who wrote the song that plays at the end of all the Bourne movies was who whose career whose life is only funded by residuals when those movies play on TNT believed that ninth Natalie Portman who was 17 at the time wanted desperately to be with him lord give me the confidence of that whatever white novelist that is that thought that that he that left his wife before asking Natalie Portman, do you, he was, is that a thing that happened in it? Is that, is that, I didn't know this part that most, did you not know that? Moby so the guy Man. that wrote the, that, not Moby. Oh, okay. okay. Not Moby. Okay. The other one, okay. the guy that wrote everything is illuminated was married for many years. And he begins an email chain with Natalie Portman where they just discuss topics. And in no way does Natalie Portman be like, you know, you up that was never one of the emails and this guy leaves his wife and then goes to natalie portman and says i'm ready to be together and she's like what the fuck are you talking about i've been happily married for years what are you talking about at which point I assume he sunk into the earth because it was his only recourse. All men are awful and terrible. And the I, story of this podcast is uh, uh, submit evidence number one. Yeah, uh, and all men are terrible and horrible and hideous and awful, and they should all just be just wiped out, honestly. Um, and part of the reason that men are so awful is because, like, We'll watch something like the morning news and we'll look at the female anchor and we'll be like, yeah, we've got a chance with them. <laughs> like, like she doesn't know who I am now, but if we met socially, you know, I could certainly make inroads with Margot Robbie. We think you know like, I mean? hey, uh, I liked, I've liked a lot of Billy Kay's Instagram posts. If <laughs> I met her in real life. I think we could hit it off really well. I think that if I met either of the Iconics, even though I believe they are both in happy relationships, that I could ruin that through my sheer sexual energy. They're absolutely... Peyton Royce would take you over perfect tin Ty Dillinger. Like, there's just, the guy there's whose gimmick no is that he's perfect. <laughs> there's i i don't see how it could go wrong i'll be like yeah i've watched you know that youtube clip where you yell at the lady at the royal rumble i've watched that several times and they will be like get over here get <laughs> <laughs> they they yeah get on into the ring then. hey uh, i really thought that bit where you acted like you were going to the bathroom so you could get away from the reporter i thought that was a really funny bit uh, and then they would just look at their spouse and be like, are you joking me? Are you joking me? And then they would just, you know, run off with us, you know? it's You must be joking you must me. Be, you, you got a journalism You went to journalism? That? You went to journalism for that? You went to journalism for that? Oh, guys, what are you doing here? Listen, go watch clips of the Iconics. The fuck are you doing here? There's a lot of pushback against the WWE, and I think for right reasons. I think correct. Uh, I think uh, it's a horrible company that I feel bad to have supported in the past. 
Uh, especially considering, like, all their dealances they have right now with Saudi Arabia and everything. Uh, I think the WWE's got a lot of moral issues that I'm not into. That being said, if they got rid of every single person on the roster and just every Monday night and Tuesday night had a show where we just followed the Iconics around, I they win me back over. I'd become a wrestling... Better show. Yeah, absolutely better show. If it was just a reality show starring the Iconics. Just... Just follow them around as they just walk around asking people to do different things. That's that's <laughs> I'm into it. That's all it needs to be. We don't need all the wrestling. We don't need all the the Brock Lesnar's or the Seth Rollinses. Absolutely, or, we don't. Absolutely, we don't. We don't need. We don't. You know, you know let's let them all go and you know punch themselves in the heads at A and AEW or whatever. Just leave the iconics and it will be fine. It's fine. Please remember to <laughs> rate, review, subscribe. Uh, check it out, or make sure you leave us wherever you're listening to this. There's a way to let people know you like us. Uh, Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/TVSKevin. Are you joking me? Burn. Are you joking? Are you joking me? You went to journalism. You went to journalism. There you go. There you go. There you go. Does it, does it look like we got eliminated? No. No.